You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. This show is about managing our money. Happily ever after. husband what's cooking good looking haven't you used that have i fuck <laughs> maybe not i'm not keeping track how about this one i like your face <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to say hi today we're giving an update on whether or not we reined in our spending after splurging last month and we're talking about the best ways to spend for happiness but first status update and uh our status update collectively is that we took uh, a little week off. Life has been really busy. Yeah, we didn't take it off. We were forced away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not a lot of time for podcasting, we Mm -hmm. are finding. There's no time for you, listeners. Stop demanding it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just been tough. It's either... Last week, it seemed like we either had something that needed to be done, like I needed to edit a Girl Next Door podcast... Or we kind of had a little bit later evening because you were getting back from the bus or something or swim lessons or then interspersed, we were just exhausted. Mm-hmm. We had like some random bad nights of sleep and yeah, ugh. I've had so many things. Actually, I'm, I'm like, it's a normal work day, but I, I'm downtown so much more often than I am in Tempe mm-hmm. that it extends our evening and yeah. you're... You're picking me up a lot from uh, various bus stops <laughs> all mm-hmm. over the valley. And as a result, yeah, so we're getting home later, I think probably by like a half an hour than normal. Maybe so. Yeah. So and then that just makes dinner time feel a bit more rushed or goes a little bit later. And just after mm-hmm. a longer day, I feel like we're extra exhausted and yep. Yep. we don't feel like sitting across from each other and talking. That's right. Into microphones. We just go into seclusion, <laughs> silently go to bed. Okay, so what's other than that? What's your status update? Uh oh, I use drug money to buy an iPhone. Okay. <laughs> Basically, uh, I invest in a Canadian pot stock that has been quite the hot commodity because I am the chupacabra of Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't have a problem with ego at all. So glad. <laughs> I vacillate between this insane ego trip and just debilitating insecurity. I don't, you never know which one you're going to get. <laughs> it's so fun for me. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I invest in the stock and it's been doing really well. So I decided to divest a bit of it uh, and took half my earnings and bought an iPhone 8. Uh, I had an iPhone 5 that was your old iPhone mm. 5. And uh, it had been slowing down and slowing down, slowing down and just became maddeningly slow and breaking. I had to get a new battery and all these things. Anyway, uh, so I went ahead and bought myself a fancy new iPhone, which is actually important because I do a lot of work on my phone now. Yep. Wherever I am, I'm shooting off emails. It's pretty bad, actually. Uh, Can you also explain a little bit more about this stock? This is not something that you have thousands of dollars in. It's a penny stock. Yeah. So, well, it was once a penny stock. So a while back, um, pot stocks were the talk of the town, but they're all existing on OTC, over-the-counter market. So it's like, uh, you know, penny stocks. What's a penny stock? So a penny stock is one that's not on one of the regular indices, like 
it's not part of the Dow or NASDAQ or, or something. Yeah, or the New York Stock Exchange, anything like that. Um, and so <clears throat> they literally are usually worth pennies per stock mm-hmm. or fractions of pennies oftentimes. And so they're, they're ridiculously risky. But I did some research and uh, found a company in Canada. Canada is likely to fully legalize marijuana before the U.S. does mm. for recreational use. And um, I found this one that actually had a lot of land. They already owned a lot of land, a lot of greenhouse space, and they're in climate change protected Canada. And the regulatory environment seemed good. And just the way things are trending in the U.S., which you know will eventually be a major customer, I thought this was a good play. Ethics aside. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm worried ethically about it or not. Uh, mm. I don't think so. Anyway, I invested a chunk of money and it went from $2 and change to, and that it had already grown from like 50 cents or something like that. Uh, I invested around $2 and change up until about six plus $6 and 10 cents or so. I went ahead and sold a bunch of it, actually all of it, took half the earnings, bought the phone and then reinvested once it dropped uh, by about a dollar and now it's growing again. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a stock savant. I am. Okay, what's on my mind is that we're recording this the night before Halloween, and so it just feels like it means the holidays are here, and Mm -hmm. there's just so much to look forward to, so I am just very, very excited. It's going to be so fun with the boys, and there are just, um, besides the, the holidays, the actual days of the holidays, there's just a lot of really fun stuff going around in our town and just stuff to look forward to our little family tradition. So I'm just really excited about that. And the weather has cooled off to match. Yes. So that really, really helps. Yeah. Well, it's like 85 to 90 degrees. To us, that is significantly (laughs) cooled off. (laughs) For a number of hours in the morning, it's between 60 and 70 degrees. It's very nice. Yeah. Crisp fall. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to home economics. So we have an update on our savings, um, our big savings and investment account, and we are getting pretty close to our goal of being at $60,000 by the end of our third year into Mm -hmm. this aggressive savings plan. So that feels really good. Yeah. So the reminder is we are doing this this five-year plan Mm -hmm. to save $100,000 or more. And so about a $20,000 savings per year, it was our goal. And so we've hit the mark basically every time. Mm, We were off the second year. Just by a little bit. Or were we, or did we make it up just to the very end? I can't remember if we had a final little rush. Yeah. Now I'm actually not sure. I thought we started this year a bit behind. Maybe you're, I think you're right. Well, so anyway, uh, yeah. So by the end of this year, we should be at $60,000 right now at the end of October, we're at $58,300. Uh, and so we will easily hit the mark, assuming the market stays, you know, pretty mm-hmm. good. And it's, of course, been an excellent market um, driven by Trump. As mad as the man is, uh, his threats or opportunities of tax reform <laughs> mm. um, are driving the market to wild new heights, as yeah. everybody knows. But what what I just keep saying, and I do not follow the markets closely at all. I, I follow the news just a little bit, but I do know kind of just based on our investment growing so much that the markets have been so strong. And so I am just, I mean, they are going to come down. Yeah. So I'm just prepared for that. I mean, we are definitely enjoying a very strong return, but mm-hmm. we, I definitely just am prepared to lose some money in that account. It's just inevitable. Yeah. 
So two things. One is this is the third longest bull run in the history of tracking the market. That's crazy. And yeah. And, and so... Any day now. You know, there, <laughs> something bad could happen, you know, geopolitically. Um, tax reform policy could crumble because, you know, it's a dicey proposition, even with Republican-controlled government. And so that could send the, the market mm-hmm. rec- receding, whatever. Um, but hey, if that happens, that's the second point is... I love it. It'd be awesome. I hope that happens because great then we time can... to invest. Yep. There you go. So anyway, um, one thing to note though, is that we haven't really, we are about $11,000 short of our actual investment goals. Even mm. though we're about to hit 60 K we've benefited from the market growing. Mm-hmm. So we actually have invested up to this point, $48,800. Mm. So we'll have invested $50,000 of the 60 we were supposed to gotcha. over three years. So it's not bad, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but we got $9,500 in returns up to now. And that includes, this is what's cool about investing in a stock like this, uh, which is VTSAX, the index fund in Vanguard, is that we've gotten over $1,500 in dividends. That's cool. Yeah. Feels good. So it makes money for us. Yeah. And, and that was the whole idea of choosing an index fund and investing rather than just putting it in a savings account is that we hoped that we would help our money grow even faster. And because we we can have the patience for it, even if it takes a hit or takes a dip, this isn't something that we knew, okay, at the end of three years, we've got to have this amount of money and we couldn't stomach a loss. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it seems to be functioning just the way we were hoping it would. Yeah. And let me, let me just say, actually, I shouldn't sound so flippant or callous when I say I hope the market recedes or we have a depression because I know that that would actually be hard times for many people. I don't mean it that way. I just mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you have money to spare when the market is in recession, that's mm-hmm. obviously a good time because basically stocks are on sale. Mm-hmm. So I obviously feel for people who would be suffering when times like that happen. You are a very compassionate person. Um, okay. Our next update is that uh, to talk about our allowance spending. In September, we just spent wildly yeah both of us and both Me more so than you <laughs> by far but both of us were over our allowance budgets of $100 each mm-hmm. so we really wanted to rein that in this year and we are happy to report that we have done a really good job yeah we're both just about right on budget at $100 and tomorrow's the last day of the month mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was cool uh and that's the power of checking in there you right? go i mean this is what we preach. Just like right. just awareness is mm-hmm. the first step in controlling your money. Yeah. And that, and that takes something from one month being off budget. You know, if you're not checking in, that could be a whole year easily. Mm-hmm. It could be like, whoa, what did I spend all this money on? Versus a month is like, okay, a little out of hand. Let's get back to where we said we were going to go. And because we already have those budgets established and we also know the habits that work for us, like checking mint mm-hmm. and it's already just there. That's very easy to get back into those good spending habits, which really quickly, this is so cool. I have been so busy that I used to check mint, uh, you know, kind of obsessively yeah. in all of our, our accounts and I just not been doing it as much and have fallen off categorizing and everything. And you have just totally picked it up. Naturally, we didn't talk about it. We didn't decide to do that. You yeah. just started doing it. Tell me about that. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, that was already before you started getting so busy. 
Mm-hmm. I just started at the beginning of this year. We've talked about this is when we really got our mint budgets in alignment with our actual spreadsheet budget budgets and mm-hmm. just made sure they were all set up. And so then when we went into mint and categorized things, it was, you know, putting them t- into the right budgets and that mint was giving us a very clear snapshot of where we were and reflected our budget. So I was just already in the habit all year. I've been tracking my spending and looking at mint. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of something I was already doing. It wasn't that I was trying to pick up slack from you. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of a habit I established this year. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And one other tricky um, budget category, we talked about home decor spending on the last episode, and we heard from some listeners um, that kind of gave some tips about how they handle that kind of category. It sounded like they often just had a separate line item for it. We had talked about that it can be kind of tricky. We kind of lumped it into like home supplies, but it didn't quite fit there. Um, The other one that's kind of tricky that I'm trying to track this year is kind of personal care and beauty. Like for Mm -hmm. me, makeup um, and like skincare, Mm -hmm. you sometimes buy hair products. We both buy hair products. I mean, once or twice a year, luckily those things last a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was buying some mascara this weekend and I was asking you, so do I count this as my personal allowance spending? Because it's definitely not something that I have to have, but I want to have it, but then, <laughs> but then that kind of stuff can be very expensive, mm-hmm. but then you use it for a few months. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So, so now we're categorizing it as what? Mint? I think what I've been trying to do kind of throughout the year is usually categorizing that. I think I have a purse, there's like a personal care tag mm-hmm. and I've been categorizing it as that. And then I'm hoping that at the end of the year, I'll look at all of those, all that spending and kind of see what I spent. And then that way, next year, we can make a separate budget for that. Yeah. And that would include like anything, hair products for you and like some of the skincare that I buy, the daily sunscreen. Which I occasionally use. You use that too. So you never know. I may go to a rave and need your mascara. So maybe so. So you never know. Yeah. So it makes sense. So then we'll be able to establish a budget next year Mm -hmm. and know what we're spending. Right. Awareness. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to a discussion about money and happiness that comes from a listener question. This was a great um, just kind of discussion topic from listener Dawn. So thank you so much, Dawn. She shared um, five ways to spend money to increase happiness. And she said she had heard about these through Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project book, and then also on The Good Life Project. And she shared those with us, and we thought these would make just great points to talk about. So we're going to go through each of the each of the five points and kind of talk about whether or not that's something that we do or if we agree or disagree. So the first one is prioritize experiences over stuff. Yeah, so this is one that obviously fits in with our like overall life philosophy. I wouldn't say we're minimalist, but you know we're voluntary simplifiers, mm-hmm. and we don't like to buy a lot of stuff a lot of anyway. Stuff. Yep. Um, so we like our experiences, but usually you and I are more. I mean, we like to travel. We mm-hmm. don't do it often, but we do it, you mm-hmm. know, occasionally. Um, but we otherwise like little experiences that make up 
good days, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. And so doing little things with the kids that um, that are fun, that sometimes take money, sometimes don't. But investing in all those little things and, and having the experiences that make memories and, and prioritize our time together mm-hmm. versus items and things that would, I don't know what those things would be. But, yeah. you know. I think a lot of it, I feel like, is set up in our budget and we do really advocate for values-based budgeting. Mm -hmm. So I think that our budget is kind of already set up so that we don't have a ton of money to spend on superfluous stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's already kind of set up in that way because I feel like it's kind of harder to think of examples of where we're choosing experiences over stuff just on more of a day-to-day basis. But Mm -hmm. I think that's because our budget in our life has already been set up that way yeah. for kind of a while. So Yeah. And I think the really the only time we really spend on stuff outside of necessities or things that are really useful, like household goods or say uh, an iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> would be things where we invest to then thereafter have lots and lots of good experiences. And mm-hmm. so the example that we talk about all the time are bikes. Mm-hmm. And it was just a few years ago, three or so years ago or more. That we bought, uh, that we bought bikes for you and for me, and then eventually for Dash, his mm-hmm. first one. And all told, you know, we probably spent fifteen hundred dollars on bikes mm-hmm. for the three of us, and then it was another maybe hundred or so for the push bike that Cedric now uses. So that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. but you know, that's a one-time investment. Very little upkeep for those things, and now we bike all over the place, and that's like a main activity. The kids almost every morning will go outside and bike around a little bit before we go mm-hmm. to school. And on the weekends, we bike to places, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I get to commute a lot. So yeah. it, we just don't, there's a, the return on investment on that is huge. Mm-hmm. So similar to the bikes, kind of a bigger upfront investment that gives you the return, like a return in experiences. I was thinking about other maybe bigger upfront investments that could give a return on experiences. Mm-hmm. It might be something like updating your backyard so that now you have more usable space and maybe now you're going to spend more time out there with your Mm -hmm. family or having friends over something like that. Um, It might be something we have some friends who love to go jeeping. And so buying a Jeep, you know, buying another vehicle. Now they're spending lots of time with their family going and doing that. And Mm -hmm. so it, I think that it's not that buying stuff or potentially expensive stuff is bad, but it's just, what real impact is it going to have on your life mm-hmm. as a more what is it what is it going to bring to your life versus that's the cool that's the cool thing that everyone's getting now it's sort of like you know you can invest in stuff for the sake of the stuff and just playing with those gadgets items whatever mm-hmm. they are that's one thing but if you're investing in things that will elicit more experiences with people mm-hmm. i feel like that's qualitatively yeah. different yeah. in fact i read an article in the New York Times just recently, a couple of days ago, and I can't recall who the author was, but the whole idea of the article was actually people. Um, that's the main driver of happiness. Out of all the research, it's all over the place, what might make you happy and what might not, but but people, of course, we're social animals. That's mm. going to that's gonna be the main driver of happiness. And so if you can invest in things that allow you to connect with people more, then that's mm-hmm. probably the way to go. Hmm. Well, that's a great segue into number two, which is spend on other people. Yeah. Not literally purchasing people, but buying things for people. Right. Um, And so, yeah, maybe this could be traveling to see family and friends. Um, Another example that I thought of is if 
maybe an eating out budget is kind of big. Instead, cooking more at home um, and reining in the eating out budget so that then there's maybe some extra budget to go out to eat with friends Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of that everyday eating dinner out that's taking up more of the budget. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we um, we occasionally indulge in the consumer experience of going through the drive-through at Starbucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have a little coffee date sometimes. Yeah, but every once in a while, when we do that, we'll buy the drinks for the car behind mm-hmm. us. You love to do that. It's fun. It's a little shot of like it's a little shot of happiness. Yeah, and caffeine. <laughs> a little around. shot of espresso and happiness. <laughs> and the other thing I thought about that would be in this category is donating to charity because oh, that's yeah. certainly spending on other people or or causes. And I feel like that definitely always does feel good. Well, yeah. I mean, your two major resources are what? Time and money, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're spending your time, that's also Mm -hmm. important. Um, Number three is choose many little things over one big thing because we habituate to new things quickly. So that could be, you know, uh, I don't know, brand new TV, something like that. It Mm -hmm. seems so awesome, but pretty soon it just seems like you know, a normal size TV and then, you know, that happiness kind of wears off. Yeah. You get used to what, whatever it is you buy, you know, it becomes old at some point in time and, and no longer all that fun. Um, and especially when you spend a lot of money on that particular thing, if you think of all the little things you might have been able to do with that money, mm-hmm. maybe that overall elicits more. And this makes me think going back to the first one, um, which was prioritizing experiences over stuff, choosing the many little things over one big thing this is something I, I I don't take issue with it because it's awesome to take big trips and sometimes exotic trips. But I feel like sometimes people or in this country, there's the push to fetishize it, you know, mm. like going on the most amazing mm. exotic trip you've ever gone mm-hmm. on and seeing the most, cra- you know, the craziest things. But and that's fine. That's cool. But that shouldn't be. I don't know that that should be like the goal over all, everything else, mm-hmm. because it, all the little trips that you could take probably accrue to much greater happiness than the one big thing if you're only if you can only do it just every once in a very long yeah. while. Or I think it's just maybe um the mindset too, you know, if going on bigger vacations is not in your budget right now, mm-hmm. thinking that you'll, you know, you'd be happier being able to do that versus maybe some day trips or just some adventures in town. You know, you might be able to do like six of those throughout the year, a day trip um, or an overnight here and there. You might not be able to do the trip to Europe or that trip, you know, a cross country trip to Hawaii, but those could make you as happy too. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. So like, it's more the the notion that you should do this because that's some kind of, some like somehow the an ultimate life mm-hmm. experience and it doesn't have to be actually mm-hmm. like if you just you know walk down to your neighbor's house and have an incredible conversation that's actually way more important than mm-hmm. seeing you know a temple somewhere although the temple's really cool you know <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're making a lot of contradictions <laughs> I was also thinking about this in terms of I love to think about updating our house you know we talked about like home decor budget and all that stuff. And I do have some big projects that I wish we could do. That would be thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I need to remember that just doing little updates actually do bring me a lot of happiness. And I'm surprised at just those little touches. I'm looking at a mirror over your shoulder that I got about this time last year. And I still really love it. And it's just like I wanted just like that exact mirror for that spot. And I still have a lot of satisfaction that 
it's right there. So how's the back of my hair? <laughs> looks great. Great. Okay, so number four is delayed gratification because anticipation moves like kind of the needle on happiness. What do you think about that? How's your delayed gratification game, Chris? I don't understand this. I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have nothing <laughs> to contribute. You who have been chowing on Halloween candy since you bought it yesterday. That's right. I'm like eight <laughs> or ten pieces in. No, you actually are great at delayed gratification when it comes to savings. Oh, yeah. This is oh, like yeah. the irony about you. You are <laughs> so excellent at savings, but then in other ways, you have literally no willpower at all. Do you all. see how Gretchen Rubin cannot categorize me? <laughs> um, I'm an enigma. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I, I definitely think that for us, I just think about this in our in our budget because we do set these budgets and we set these savings goals, whether it's our really big savings goal that's over a five-year time, mm -hmm. saving for a house several years ago. Um, we're saving right now for kind of a front yard update. Right now when we do have house projects, we kind of set them out and work up to them. But mm -hmm. I do really think that along the way, it is really satisfying because we're working towards this goal. It's satisfying to be working towards it and seeing that progress. Mm -hmm. And then I think that we have plenty of time to ke like keep reevaluating that goal Yeah. because along the way we could decide, okay, actually we don't want to be putting this money towards painting the house. We, you know, mm -hmm. we thought that would bring us a lot of happiness, but there's something else we want to do with that money. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like it just reinforces that that is something that we want. And then once we get it done, it just is so satisfying because we've been looking forward to it. We saved up for it and it's like, yes. Mm -hmm. So I still think about that on our bigger house projects that we've done. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the journey is is the the main thing, you That's know? Right. It's just like a marriage, you know? It's not like you go 25 years and you're like, all right, we did it. Right. <laughs> yeah. We did marriage. <laughs> exactly. It's the journey, man. Yes. Okay. And the last one, number five, is to buy time, which I like this one. Can you think of, is this something that we do in our life? Yeah. I like this a lot because we make active decisions to do this, even though we wouldn't necessarily have to, if we really mm -hmm. wanted to do and everything on our own, we obviously could, but we, uh, we do hire cleaners like once every month and a half or so mm -hmm. to come give the house an especially good cleaning. Yep. Um, we do have landscapers that come every couple of weeks. Um, they're not super expensive, you know, so we just get like a basic service done, but that saves us owning a, a lawnmower and going out there and mowing the lawn mm -hmm. and, and trimming trees that drives me nuts and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I really feel like that time saved is hugely valuable, especially yeah. right now and how busy we, we are. Yes. Um, I even brought up the other day the possibility, I don't know how expensive these things are. We'd have to uh, look into this, but the idea of a virtual personal assistant. Well, a, a business partner I had a number of years ago had one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're virtual or real. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all real. But <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Siri. Was its name Siri? <laughs> <laughs> this amazing English woman named Siri. Uh, um, yeah, so he had one and, and really, really liked it, and was and it was the same notion that offloading just this administrative stuff, even mm -hmm. if it's just personal life stuff, like setting doctor's appointments or mm -hmm. whatever it might be, actually saves a ton of time. You mm -hmm. don't realize, like you've been talking about this, how busy we are and how difficult it is just to get to the basic admin stuff right. of life and household and right. all of that. It is tough. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of on of two minds 
on that. On the one hand, that sounds amazing. And I don't think we're at the point right now that we kind of said, you know, in the future, that might be something we Mm -hmm. might price out. And maybe it could be just, you know, these few specific tasks that we could offload. And that would be really great. On the other hand, then I just worry, okay, if we're getting to the point where we need a virtual assistant, does that mean that something else needs to change? Like, is that not a red (laughs) flag that our lives are way too busy? (laughs) (laughs) No, well... It's, we would have to evaluate it, but I have to say having an assistant at work. Yeah, which you have is, not had before, but you do now with this new role this year. I know it's made a huge Phenomenal. Deal. Yeah. Unbelievable. First of all, I have an amazing person who's yeah. working with me, but um, but beyond that, just having somebody who can help doing the scheduling type stuff mm-hmm. of a otherwise very... I, I just feel hugely more productive in mm-hmm. all sorts of ways, and that she is a big, big part of it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, so those are the five points. We would love to hear from everyone if you agree or disagree or the different ways that those manifest in your life. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to love notes. Mm. What's your love note for me? Well, speaking of busyness, um, it's totally true. You've been having to pick up the kids and sometimes drop off the kids to and from daycare a lot more than you used to mm-hmm. way, way more. And that can be a challenge because obviously we have crazy, crazy kids. Just look at my Instagram account and see <laughs> Cedric's most recent performance to see how nutty our kids can be. <laughs> uh, it's actually really cute. You should look anyway. Um, you've had to do that a ton and you haven't complained and I really, really appreciate it. Oh, so thank you're you. welcome. It does feel like I am really happy to support you. And it just does feel like, yeah, it's just something for our whole family. So it it does definitely feel like it's worth it. But Mm -hmm. I appreciate the nod of appreciation. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's just, you know, it definitely is a lot easier pick up and drop off. I mean, a world of difference easier than it used to be when it was a toddler who, you know, could barely follow directions near a street, near (laughs) a parking lot Mm -hmm. and an infant but man, they are still just, the the pickup is what's tough. They are so excited to see me at the end of the day, but then they're racing through the halls, screaming, you mm. know, just, and it's hard, so hard to just keep them under control and then, you know, herd them to the car and get everyone buckled and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, at least it's easier than before. Uh, my love note to you is that you, on occasion, bring me breakfast as I am getting ready. You are managing the boys and packing their lunches and making breakfast and doing all this stuff. And I am back taking a shower and drying my hair. And I do feel like it just takes me longer to get ready. Mm-hmm. Um but it's so sweet of you to be doing all these other tasks while I am just focusing on myself. And sometimes you will even bring me tea and <laughs> a burrito or eggs and toast or something. And I always feel so loved when you do that. So oh, thank good. you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that wraps it up. You can find the show notes for this episode at loveandmatrimony.com. You can send us an email at heymatrimony at gmail.com. And we'd love to get your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to bring a burrito to your baby, everybody. And love your honey, not your money.
Ooh, I don't have a love note. Me neither. In our <laughs> loveless marriage. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, can you tell me what you had for your treat after dinner? One almond joy, one Milky Way, one Kit Kat, and another almond joy. <laughs> You're so sneaky. 